0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. Today's guest is Cassie Beck, who just started the tour of What the Constitution Means to Me. This show, if you didn't see it on Broadway, run to go see it wherever it is playing in your closest city. Right now, as we recorded this, it started in Minneapolis, and it's going to tons of major cities, Chicago, Boston, Detroit, Princeton, Dallas, Nashville, more, more, more. Go see it. She's actually a personal friend of Heidi Schreck's, And they worked so well, so closely together to translate it out of Heidi's story and make it Cassie's story, but still make it Heidi's story, but make it Cassie's story. She's an amazing human who you may know from the humans. So before we get into the interview, as always, find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review. Hit me up on Patreon. Let me know you're listening. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Cassie Beck.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here you go. One, two,
1: three. My guest today is a star of stage and screen whose previous credits include the recent revival of The Rose Tattoo and the original cast of The Humans on Broadway. And on TV... She's got credits with Pose, Elementary, Connecting, and Chicago Med. This fall, she will be busy leading the national tour of the direct from Broadway boundary-breaking play "What the Constitution Means to Me" and the much-anticipated Amazon Prime series "I Know What You Did Last Summer." She can currently be seen opposite Mark Wahlberg in the feature film Joe Bell. Cassie Beck, welcome to the Theater Podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Nice to be here, Alan.
1: You're so welcome, and it's so nice to see you this morning. And uh, right before we were recording, you were saying that uh, you you had your first audience last night for, for Constitution?
0: Sure did. First preview, first show back, first time back in the theater. It was incredible. Um, uh, my first line is, it's so good to see you. Um. As you know, Constitution really uh, breaks the fourth wall. It's a direct relationship to the audience. So mm-hmm. I got to walk out in full light, and I'm um, I'm not gonna lie, I teared up. They would not stop clapping.
1: And this is in this is in Minneapolis, yeah. Are you? This is at the Guthrie. Yep, yeah, in Minneapolis.
0: Yeah. We're kicking off the tour here. And uh they were so rowdy. I could hear them over the monitor before I went out. I'll like, go, Oh, they're rowdy, they're ready to be here. <laughs> and uh that which I we anticipated the excitement of, you know, the it's the first time, I think it's in eighteen months that there's been a show at the Guthrie. So oh, wow. um, and we are Constitution is the only straight play on tour right now. So um I don't know. I, I was shocked when I heard that, but it just it just it just was thrilling to feel like, you know, we're, we're representing Broadway out here and, um, people are stoked and I knew it would be an electric moment, but I walked out and I was just, just me. And I'm standing there in front of all of them with the house lights completely up and they would not stop clapping. And I had to make them stop. And I started crying and I said, you're going to make me cry. And I haven't even started yet. <laughs> um, but it, what a welcome and, uh, just, just an electric night in the theater, I just was, I mean, I'm still, I'm still basking in it. It just was, it was fun and important and deep and meaningful and all the feels. It just was incredible.
1: Was, um, I guess, did, did you see Constitution with Heidi Schreck when it was here in the city?
0: Oh yeah. New York yeah, so New York,
1: Right, right. So, so 18 months has happened between then and now and our country, has changed. Um, I don't know if it's for better or for worse yet. I, I've yet to decide. But like we're we're always evolving. 18 months is a long time in the political climate now. So seeing what Heidi did with it versus what you're doing with it now, does it is is the message still the same or or like has it did you work with her and the directing team to to adapt it and and also I know this is like a bajillion part question, but uh she she spoke personally like this is my story so you as not her telling this story how has it been adapted and changed for you
0: yeah Uh, okay i think i can i think i can break down all those things so uh let's start with the the current political climate heidi is still writing on the play um she's been in rehearsals um so she is with us and we are old friends i've worked on her plays before and um and then we have a personal friendship as well. I saw it at New York Theater Workshop and I loved it. I was blown away by it and her performance. I just thought it was just a perfect night. I think I saw it the night Brett Kavanaugh uh was I never know what's the exact term when you I was like not it was an elected nominated, not nominated, but when he uh, like approved um, like, into the Supreme Court.
1: Um ratified? no, not ratified. I know, I know. I, it's on the tip of my tongue.
0: <laughs> me too. Confirmed. Uh, confirmed. Confirmed. Con- oh duh. Yeah, when yeah, he was yeah. confirmed. Um after he was had his call back and was cast in the Supreme Court, uh, <laughs> I saw I saw the show that night. Um and it was incredible. And so when the play kind of came around to me, I've told this story before, but I just was like, no way, am I touching that with how perfect that was for me? You know, just selfishly, I just was like, no, I want it to remain in my memory and in the world the way I saw it with Heidi. And then I was like, well, let me read it, and I read it, and and Heidi is a constant playwright. She, as much as a performer, she is a writer, and um, I was like, oh, this is a play. Um, when I when I was able to kind of take the performance out of my head and just read it in black and white. I saw that it was a play. And of course it is um, because she's an excellent writer and the structure was there. And I started to kind of hear myself. I kind of see myself suddenly in it. And it's just like a character, you know, I am playing Heidi. I am till- still, telling her story, but just like any character, you know, you're stepping in and bringing yourself to the role um, I will never be Heidi, but I will never be any character that I embody completely. I have to bring myself to the story, and this is no different. And uh, what she's done, I feel like, is she's built this kind of every woman in a way. And uh, with its specificity comes the universality. We, we all know this with theater. That's why telling an intimate story can be so powerful, because people really can, through your story, discover themselves. And that's what I've been able to do. Heidi spends a lot of time talking about her kind of uh, matriarchal line, her mother, her grandmother, and her great-great-grandmother. And I found that I was able to bring my, the ghosts of my mother and my grandmother and my great-great-grandmother on stage with me. And even though I am telling a story that's specific to Heidi's family, I'm imbuing it with my family history and what I know to be true about um, those women in my life, as well. Um, as far as the politics, I think, yes, a lot has changed. Um, the show is changing with it. We are uh, for people who've seen the show, they'll know that the second the second half is a debate, uh, a live debate. Um, and there, especially, we are really focusing on what's happening right now. Um, in the play itself, there is. Some time spent on Roe versus Wade, on Roe v. Wade, um, a lot to do with kind of abortion law and um, and the Ninth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment especially. And I mm-hmm. guess I'll just say, as long as the Ninth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment are relevant, we're going to have something to talk about. And I don't think those two things are going out of style anytime soon. Uh, so for there's those a who, lot.
1: So those who don't <laughs> know, what are the Ninth and the Fourteenth Amendment?
0: Oh my gosh, uh, uh, the Ninth Amendment is. Um, uh, what Heidi describes as a penumbra. Um, nobody really <laughs> knows what it means, if, although it it was uh, the amendment that was used to make the case in Roe v. Wade that uh, a that, uh, doctor and patient have a right to privacy. And that right to privacy is what uh, the right to have an abortion falls under. And mm-hmm. so the Ninth Amendment was used to, um, gain the, that, that right for women. And, and so that's ninth amendment primarily is what we talk That's what we talk about in the show. 14th amendment basically encapsulates all your human rights. <laughs> um, it's, uh, so again, anytime we're talking about any kind of human right we're talking about the 14th amendment. We're talking, you know, uh, equal protection clause, the due process clause. Um, we go into it in the show in a very entertaining, humorous, funny way, full of emotion. It's not, it's not just a dry constitution lesson. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to enjoy about the show, but, um, right now Roe v. Wade may be, you know, back in the headlines and coming up into our consciousness Yeah. in the Supreme yeah. Court here soon. There's the Texas abortion bill. Um, all of these things are addressed in the second half of the play is what I was saying in the, in the debate section. We're really making sure that we, um, make those arguments and we have some sharp, sharp debaters who have important things to say and opinions about, uh, their take on what's happening with the constitution and with our future right now. So they're keeping me on my toes.
1: I was, I'm looking at your the, the, some of the, the cities that the tour is going to go through. And of course you mentioned your your opening in Minneapolis, but it's going to hit Chicago, Boston, Detroit, Princeton, Dallas, Nashville, more and more and more. I was looking for Texas cities. Dallas is in there. So yep. <laughs> have you, have you and the team talked yet about, uh, I guess, goodness, maybe protests, maybe like angry audience members. It, it, like, Politics are of course really dividing right now but in like in the arts I guess that maybe the people who would come see the show wouldn't necessarily be the ones who would disagree with the message of the show but have you have you talked about the various audiences in the various cities specifically about this kind of thing yet
0: Uh and not not about audience members we've talked about you know making sure that we are topical with what's with what's happening i mean we definitely have in our our eye on texas we have our eye on the mississippi ban as well
1: Mm -hmm. um even nashville yeah
0: but i sort of feel i sort of feel like it's really a galvanizing force um there are going to be some people in Texas who are really going to need this support that this play offers. Um, And I think, I think for people who I I do think it's going to be a little self-selecting, you know, the audiences that, that, that come and don't, but you know, even if, even if you don't agree with the politics in a lot of ways, I do feel, I still feel like there is, There, everybody has a role to play in equality, and that's at the heart of what's being told here. And I do think there's there's a chance to open some hearts and change some minds. And like the end is a debate, and we really do argue both sides of the debate. There's civil discourse on display here, and it's a lot of what we don't have right now. And there's something very moving and wonderful about watching people argue both sides of something articulately and uh, with passion. It just shows that we can listen to each other and hear another side. And even the character of Heidi through the whole play, she doesn't have answers. Um, she's, she's trying to understand. She's asking questions. She's trying to put things together. She's talking about the penumbra. She's talking about the gray area of life and um, you can come in with one view or the other, but really the questions are still what's up in the air here. This is about investigating and, and getting better. Um, we're asking our government and our systems and our country to, to do better. And um, I think the pursuit of equality, true equality, is not partisan. We just... we it's just something that uh we have to continue to fight for every day. So no matter what side you're on, I think it's uh I think there's information here that is interesting and a touching story that is human.
1: But hasn't hasn't the the quest for equality become a partisan issue because both the opposing sides are are both con- well, maybe one side more than the other, convinced right. that they know better on behalf of everybody else, right? So I'm not a political person. I mean I'm I I am I'm obvi- I'm obviously following what's going on, but like I don't like to get into political debates. Um but <laughs> maybe okay, maybe this is a bit of white cis male privilege talking and I want to acknowledge that. And I've I haven't had to deal with the issues that a lot of my peers have had to deal with and I'm always like let it I'm I'm just always about everyone should have their own choice and it's their bodies. They should do what they want. Um, and I've never had to deal with the fact that I have to fight for a right to make a decision about my own body. Mm. And I acknowledge, I acknowledge that privilege and I acknowledge that I, that, and whatnot, but I guess I don't know what my question is, but I, you know, you were saying that, that the fight for equality is nonpartisan, but I, I, f- I'm. I see. It should be.
0: It should be not. Sh-
1: yes. It should be. Okay. Yeah. We'll say it should <laughs> be non But it has become this partisan thing. So it's 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 interesting to me. I guess how how both pe both sides of this are approaching it, and it it just dates back to this archaic way of trying to control people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's really frustrating. It's really absolutely frustrating. And I, I'm have you talked to Heidi about, or has she told you what to expect in terms of like feedback she received when she was doing the run of like negative things or positive things, even like, you know, did you sit down and over a bottle of wine and say like, listen, this <laughs> is, this might happen to you. Cause it happened to me.
0: Well, we sat down over zoom and had, and had, <laughs> and had this conversation. Um, yes. And look, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I'm not saying, I don't know if it's a play for everyone. I, 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 I like to think so because I think some people just don't know. They think they know, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. And this play's got statistics and, and not alongside a personal story, some real, some facts about, and some statistics about what's actually going on in the country and how many people are affected. Um. And not protected by this document, and I think it can be eye opening to just dis- to discover these things um, for a lot of people, but I did talk to her about it, and you know I, th- I think for the most part it's a pretty it's a pretty energizing kind of galvanizing experience. She got a lot of um, i think support and some people who did who didn't realize where we were as a country on with, with these rights, um, who thought they knew and then discovered, you know, wow, we we didn't really know. Um she did say that there I think she, you know, she probably got some Twitter trolls. I think that was sort of where, where she found the most of them is, is coming out online. Um, which I anticipate too, but you know, what I mean, are you gonna it- do?
1: Yeah, I I wonder if people are going to be able to separate the person from the character too. um I forget uh, I I totally forget her name right now. Um Anna Gunn who played, you know, Skyler yeah. on on oh, Breaking yeah. Bad, right? right? I talked to her once and she said she got so much hate online for being this horrible person and she's like you realize I'm I'm an actor playing a role, right? Like I am not Skyler White, I am Anna Gunn. <laughs> yeah. <totally. laughs> so, so obviously like maybe Heidi's a little bit different because she wrote it and, and she was playing the character, but now, you know, you Cassie are playing the character that Heidi has created. So I, am I'm, I know for those listening, always remember that the character is separate from the actor that, that. Although don't, no, it is
0: confusing in this one because Heidi, Heidi was playing Heidi, you know, I mean, yeah. Heidi was being herself and there is no character of Heidi except for me. I have to make a character of Heidi so that I can step into it. But mm-hmm. Heidi was being Heidi. And she, that's what's so cra- what's so amazing about this playing crazy and brave and bold and raw is that she did just go out there and say, no, this, this is what's happening. We need to wake up to all of this. And I'm going to use myself. I'm going to walk through these questions. I'm going to walk through this emotion right in front of you in real time. And I'm going to ask you to do the same. And just like any relationship that is important to you, you have a relationship with the constitution and you mm-hmm. have a civic duty. And if it's important to you, like any good relationship, you're going to spend some time thinking about it and you're going to spend some time working on it. And wow. here, let me demonstrate how to do that for 90 minutes. I and I don't that. have the, and she's like, I don't have the answers.
1: You know this what? this is the, where we are. How, how I love that, the, that there's, That there are kids involved, right? That that are part of the debate, and you know Heidi, Heidi herself um, raised her college tuition debating, doing Constitution debates when she was in high school. So like, it's important to get the younger generation involved in this, and in this country too. I think there's two things that are completely lacking, maybe three: Um, financial education. Um political education aside from you know we we hear like here 's how our country was founded, and founding founders did all this founding fathers did all these great things, you know but you ignore all the all the land and disease <laughs> that we stole and gave to people um, but but yes, yeah, so political. Political education, financial education, and sexual education, I think are completely lacking as a standard across this country. but in terms of of getting the young people involved, I think that's that's part of one of my favorite things about constitution is because mm-hmm. it's it's making it accessible, especially for for young people of color too, which being a woman and being a woman of color in this country are not two of the easier things to be right right, right
0: yeah it's incredible the the young people we have two debaters with us on on tour and you know they come in with their own style and they come in with their own stories and and uh it's emily toffler and jocelyn sheck and they are killing it and i and it is i remember when i saw it uh when heidi did it at new york theater workshop and when um, the debater turned the corner is actually when I lost it in the audience because it's so hopeful to hear these articulate, um, young women and uh, young people—not just not just young women, young people—um, so passionate about about their futures and where we're going mm-hmm. and what's right and wrong. And um, gosh, they know so—they're so smart, and they know so much more than <laughs> they know so much more about the Constitution than I do. Uh, but it's it's inspiring, really. It's hopeful.
1: I love the accessibility that that, that this brings, and and there's there's a lot of—I uh, mean, in general, right? I'm gonna take a, a, a step back, big picture. You're looking at art. Art heals. Art educates. Art informs. Art can, and especially theater and musical theater too. But um, like last night, I literally just went and saw Six for the third time, and mm. and that's that's a history lesson about yeah. Henry the Eighth, and again, antiquated ways of how women are only valued by who they're married to. Right. It it's it's this bigger message that. It's, it's fun, it's comedic, but yet at the walking out, you're like, oh yeah, there's more, there's more to this. And so Constitution did this. I mean, even look at the difference Hamilton is making in the industry, right? And, and then as, a, as an educational form, they're busing in students and they're making sure that it's as accessible as it can be. Because uh, um, Broadway prices, um, ticket prices, exclude a lot of people. Who yeah. need to hear hear the messages of the shows? So I just love when these things start to to do social good outside of just trying to do ticket sales on Broadway. You know what oh, I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and you know the politics of the show are are the are the politics of the people who made it. And so there's a huge consciousness around all of these issues. You know, accessibility. um it's crazy that we're going out on tour and, and we're going to all the cities where Heidi traveled at age 15 and got all her prize money to go to college to make <laughs> get the education that ended up making this play. And now we're turning it a full circle and we're going back to those cities. And we're That's saying, and here, here's what we learned, you know, here's what we learned. And, um, it is amazing. Last night we had a real mix of ages. I mean, several generations in that audience. So we had, you know, <laughs> our, are wonderfully, um, angry blue haired ladies who, uh, who I feel like, uh, kind of lived through a lot of what maybe Heidi's mom and grandma went through recognizing themselves, seeing themselves up on that stage. There's people of my generation recognizing themselves and seeing themselves on stage. And then, like you said, there's young people coming on and everything in between. And, and I have to say it, it it was amazing to hear their responses because it really was in different parts of the show. I could hear whole groups of people um, identifying with certain parts of the show. Wow! And uh, it was great. It was it was fantastic. And and because we're all just in there in a room together, we're all sharing this together, and it really it really does speak to a broad range of people.
1: We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to actually now back out and talk about you, Cassie, because I want to know what got you into theater. Where where did you Where did you see the bug? Did you go see a show when you were a kid, like Constitution, and you're like, I want to do that.
0: <laughs> uh... Well, yes. When I was eight years old, I saw uh, the music man at the Redlands Bowl, which is where I grew up in Redlands, California. And I like wanted to punch that girl playing Amaryllis and step into her, <laughs> <laughs> step into her, her, her shoes. I was like, let me at it. Um, trying to get on that stage. I grew up dancing, really. I was mostly a dancer until high school. And then I did my first show um In high school, really my first play, I kind of came at it late, and it's funny. This actually circles back to Constitution because one of the things that Heidi's doing for all the people that play Heidi is she gives them a breakout moment to talk, to to say, "I'm not really Heidi. I'm I'm Kathy," and this is the story I tell in the play. Actually, as um, the first play that I did in high school, and 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 uh, I grew up mostly in California in a military family, but when I was 15, my dad, uh, got a job in Mississippi. And so we, we moved to a small, small rural town in Mississippi and I was in culture shock for sure. And, uh, this drama club got started at this high school that I dropped into in the middle of being 15 and all that comes with that. And I joined that drama club and we did a play and we won the state competition and we won the regional competition. Then we got to go all the way to the national competition. And I don't really think this high school or this town knew what to do with this, Uh, this like drama club that was suddenly like winning stuff. Not that I believe that art should be competitive, but, you know, that's how it was at the the time. And I remember when we won the Nationals, we came back and like the town had lined the streets and they had posters and they were like, (laughs) (laughs) they were like, welcome, welcome us back in like we were a sports team. If like yeah. we were a sports team, you know, it
1: sounds like a ticker tape parade.
0: Totally. And I was like, Oh, Oh, this is happening. Okay. Um, but that's, that's when I really got the bug for acting. I wanted to dance and be in musicals, but, uh, I ended up going to the university of Memphis, uh, for undergrad and they didn't do musicals. Really. They, they did mostly, they were, they were very, um, play centered and kind of all genres like they're, you know, they were doing Greek tragedy and all kinds of things. And I came, I always felt really behind. Um, when I got there, a lot of the other students had gone to like governor school in Tennessee and had done all the summer camps and they'd read all the Shakespeare plays and like, you know, they were serious. And I came in and I was like, I've been in guys and dolls in high school, you know? Um, (laughs) but (laughs) So I was, I always felt a little behind and it's funny, you know, I actually did not get cast until my junior year. I did a lot of like, um, smaller projects with the director, with the grad directing, the MFA directing students, but Mm -hmm. not, not the quote unquote main stage until, and so, you know, I had two years where I really, it was humbling. I was learning a lot and, um, and then it kind of, I kind of got my feet underneath me sort started figuring some stuff out. And after I graduated, I went to a training program called The Warehouse in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and I worked with a, with 11 other kind of students slash company. We, it was a semi-professional company, so we did do um, performances of a full season, but we were also in class and training. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first professional gig at the Napa Valley Shakespeare Festival. Um, I just went to the Bay area and did a general audition out of nowhere. Out of, I flew myself out from South Carolina. I did it. I didn't want to go to New York. I didn't want to go to LA, but I kind of wanted to get back towards California. That's where my family was. Um, so, you know, grew up in California, spent a little time in the South, Went headed back to California. No designs on New York ever, really. I don't know why. I think I was scared of it, probably. Didn't really know that much about it. Um, cut to, I ended up staying in the Bay Area for about eight years. I did a lot of, like, basement theater, you know, a lot of more experimental stuff. That mm-hmm. was We were doing, like, Naomi Wallace and Eric N, and... Lisa Demore and um, really interesting, cool stuff with a especially with a theater company called Crowded Fire Theater Company. Um, I was one of asked to join their ensemble. So for I think five or six years, I was a part of the acting ensemble there, and that was fantastic. What was ended up happening is San Francisco is sort of this hotbed for new work. Um, they have what they call the Bay Area Playwrights Festival, and mm-hmm. every year. Um, you know, New York writers and local writers there would bring their new plays. And I, for whatever reason, just got a crash course and new play development there. Um, a lot of the regional theaters there, Berkeley rep as well, theater works in, in Palo Alto. Um they're working on new new plays. And mm-hmm. so kind of by accident, that's the way my career went. And uh, I became friends with Adam Bach who uh, was, who lived in the Bay Area for a while, but had been in New York for a bit. And he wrote a role for me in a play called The Drunken City. And then Playwrights Horizons picked that play up. And he said, well, I have somebody. And they brought me out to do the workshop. And it, that was, I swear to God, that was the second time I had ever been in New York. I went my mom took me for a graduation trip when I graduated <laughs> from college. And that's the only time I'd ever been in New York. And so here I am and I'm showing up at Playwrights Horizons to do a reading. And um did this reading with Sue Jean Kim and Maria Dizia, you know, and like I didn't know who any I just was so naive. I missed those days. I was so naive. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to be scared of, so I wasn't scared.
1: Oh, that's the best. <laughs> that is was that's, the best. That's the I know. best. I know. When you don't know uh, how Trip hard something is, so you just go do it, and then you look back and you're like, holy shit. And you're like, what shit. the heck? I can't what? believe I did that. Yeah. I know,
0: totally. I did, and Trip Coleman directed. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and then I got to do it. And so at this point, also uh, back at Crowd of Fire in San Francisco, the founding artistic director had stepped down, and I stepped in as artistic director. So I had just taken over as artistic director of this small, grungy theater company. And then I was like, uh, I'm gonna go do this play real fast in New York and I'm coming right back. And um, that didn't happen. I got I got to New York and uh I got cast in a couple of other shows. And I just my husband was like, you know what? <laughs> just write it out and see. If you get an agent, then then you should stay for a year and just we'll see. And so all that ended up happening and then cut to. We ended up moving, <laughs> um, But Crowdifier is doing well. I just want to plug it because it is still, it's, it's fantastic. It's doing, it's doing great. It's lived on and um, gone through a couple artistic directors now and they're fantastic.
1: Oh, awesome. What's the website where people can check it out?
0: Crowdifier.org.
1: There you go. Um, so then at, at what point does, does the TV and film start to creep its way in? Because a lot of your credits, a lot of the credits film here in New York. Um, but uh, I was looking at the other thing, like this—the this stuff that's coming out now. Um, uh, I know what you did last summer, of course, is this much-anticipated uh, modern take on the 1997 horror film that, of mm. course, is around the same thing. So, where did the TV and film side come into all this?
0: Oh my God! So I had no training on on camera. I'm like—I feel like I'm the end of a generation for whom you know, you kind of, you kind of felt like you could just do a theater career <laughs> somehow. Now I have so much respect for the, the young people who show up in New York at 18, 20, 22, because I do think the expectation now is that you can do some crossover stuff. And I never had, you know, in my BFA and even extra theater training, I never had on camera work on camera training. And back to the drunken city. I remember we opened and, uh, my little face was in the new york times <laughs> and i and i was sleeping on a i was subletting and i was sleeping on somebody's futon and the day after it opened my phone rang and it and i answered it and it was law and order
1: <laughs> wanting me to come <laughs> wanting me to come i, I hope like, i hope when they call you it always starts with dun dun, or,
0: dun, dun, dun. that's how i knew <laughs> yeah. who it was yeah, yeah. yeah. and they called to ask if I, you know, and I didn't have an agent, I didn't have any representation. So they're just calling me straight up on my cell phone, you know, like back in the day, like, can you can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, what? I don't even know what this is. And um it, it was terrifying. And I never did get on a law and order. I've never been on a law and order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those theater actors that's never been on order. But um yeah, it kind of slowly it started to answer your question. It kind of it came slowly. I I got some auditions kind of right away off off just I think being kind of the new a new person in New York, and you know I came to New York when I was thirty. I didn't come when I was eighteen or twenty. So I was I had a little bit of experience and a little bit of grounding, but not for TV and film. I did not know how to do any of that stuff, um, and so I started taking some classes and I just kind of slowly. Uh started to figure it out. I have to say, I feel like with the self tape situation, I have fared much better <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i i I've kind of figured out the self tape um which has helped in the last couple of years and yeah, I know what you did last summer was a self tape uh Joe Bell was a self tape um, a lot of what I've booked has been has been that, so there is hope out there for people who feel like. You're making self tapes and sending them out to the void. Same girl, same, but every now and then it happens. Um, I know what you did last summer shot in Hawaii. Really? Yeah.
1: That sounds really hard. Sounds so
0: hard. I know it was awful. Everyone's going to hate me. I'm going to (laughs) turn off the podcast at this point. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I was married there and I'd been there several times. I hadn't been back since, um, I think uh, 2007 and I think it was originally going to shoot in LA, but then because of the pandemic and the way uh, COVID was working, um, it was safer actually Mm -hmm. in, in Oahu. So we went for safety Allen and uh, yeah. And then when I got it, they said, Oh, so six months in Oahu. So I got to, I got to fly out and take my dog and, you know, be out there and shoot. We were, we shot all over that Island. It was crazy fun. Um, I was nervous in a lot of ways because I don't have a ton of experience, but I've got to say every experience I've had has been amazing. And the New York shows too, I got to do pose with Patti LuPone. Yeah. Um, so like amazing, uh, you know, elementary was with all those guys and, and that was fun. And I did the humans for a long time with Sarah Steele and, you know, learned all about the good wife and got to ask my questions. So, you know, leaning on our, leaning on our friends too helps.
1: When you're in these situations, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, obviously you have the talent to be where you are, otherwise you wouldn't be there. But when you're first coming into these moments and you're around, you know, you're going in a pose and you're, you're in a scene with with Patti Lapone, and you're in this movie opposite Mark Wahlberg and these people that just, we've known about and watched and seen forever and then all of a sudden you're yeah. with them. Do you have this moment of, like, wow, I shouldn't be here? Or do you, are you like, this is it? This is, you know, I'm buckling down. And of course, you know, it, it, I guess bringing it full circle to what we said earlier was if you knew how hard it was, you wouldn't have done it. But now you're there, so you have to do it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't freak out till after. <laughs> I have, I'm like, I don't know what it is about me. I, I'm a very late bloomer. It takes me a long time to process stuff. I kind of show up. And I'm like, well, I'm here, and I'm showing up, and I'm doing it, and I and I've prepared, and I'm here, and then I do it, and then later I'm like shaking in the bathtub, you know, like (laughs) I can't believe that just happened. Um, Yeah, I the the story with Patty LaPone is actually great because uh, we know each other a little bit um, from the humans. We, you know, I got to go do it in London as well, and she was there doing company at the time. Mm -hmm. So our whole cast went to see company and got to go backstage and sit in her dressing room with Michael Coors for a little while. Um, and so I know her a bit, not, not a ton, but a bit. And so she had a recurring role, an arc on pose, but that day that I shot with her was her first day on set and her first scene. And so we were in the trailer together doing makeup and hair and I reminded, you know, I just reintroduced myself and said, hi. And she recognized me, which was a relief. And then I actually think it was sort of a kind of um, universal kind of meeting moment, spiritual special moment for us, because I think she was nervous, you know? And it's like, She's this legend and she's this amazing person, of course, and this amazing actor and has so much experience, but they're all just people. And that's my answer to your question about like Mark Wahlberg and all these people. Like how I remember it is because I see their humanity. They're just, they're just, they're just us, you know, we're all the same. And she, at one point was like, I'm so glad you're here because I was another theater person, you know, that she Um, kind of knew a little bit and had a little grounding with, you know, and, and there's a sea of faces that she doesn't know and, and all the cameras on her and she's Patty Lapone walking in and there's like, and I got to be that little person for her that just kind of, I don't know if she ever needed it could be a little anchor, you know, for her of familiarity and at one point, uh, you know, and then they put her in this amazing costume and then they hand her two dogs, two little dogs. And they're like, here's two little dogs and sit and now monologue go. I was like, Oh, I'm here for you, Patty. I'm right here. I'm here for you. Whatever you need. And she looks up and she's like, do I look okay? And I'm like, yes, you look amazing. You're doing amazing. Um, so I think that's one thing to just remember, you know, with casting directors too, or, or directors or anytime you're in a situation with somebody where there's a perceived either like power balance or maybe like a fangirling going on, just just remember they're just people too
1: i I wonder, and I haven't actually thought about this in a long time. I used to think about this uh is the people like Patty Lapone or um you know like like Mark Wahlbergs or even you know Katrina Lank are these famous people in the industry in whatever industry they're in um, I wonder and you've worked with these people, and you were just saying you're t- speaking of this a little bit, but I wonder the pressure that they feel like Meryl Streep, right? You you just expect everybody, the world expects her to just get Oscar nominations falling out of her ass. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she walks in and she's like, Oh God, I gotta make this one as good as the last one. I gotta make this one better than the last one. I gotta and you know, Patty, right, is saying, Am I do I do I look okay? I'm glad you're here. I'm you know, obviously she's getting a little nervous. Do you have you seen this? And do you experience it too a little bit where you're like, okay, I'm here. I've been doing this for a long time, but there's still the pressure to perform and be as good or better every single time, or you just kind of say, like, screw it. I'm going with it.
0: I think it's both. It just depends on the day. It's where I'm at you know it's i i don't believe you're only as good as your last performance i don't i don't believe that um i don't think that's true i think we're in a evolution all the time and we're in a process all the time and that and i think actors have bad days you know like just like everybody i mean i love reality cooking shows because <laughs> i feel like that's a bit that's that shows you know you see these great great chefs that just like Cannot handle the challenge or cannot handle competition, but they're great chefs, you know, and actors are great actors and sometimes they're not right for everything or, or every moment, you know? And, uh, so, so I don't believe I have to be better than what I did before. I think I just have to be as good as I can possibly be in this moment every time.
1: I love that answer. That's a beautiful answer. And I think (laughs) that is a wonderful place to transition into our final three questions that I ask everybody to wrap up the episodes. The very first one, just very simply is what motivates you.
0: I think, uh, I think personal challenge. I curiosity.
1: And then second question, then if you could give advice to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path, what would you say?
0: I would say, uh, go where you can get better, go where you can do your best work. Um, I was given that advice as a young person. That's why I didn't come to New York right away. Um, I knew that I was going to do better in an ensemble situation in a smaller city with time. And that's just the way my process was and kind of where my training was at. And, um, I didn't want to go to New York and kill what I loved. Hmm. And I knew I wasn't ready.
1: Yeah. Okay. So last question. This is the hardest one. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see?
0: (laughs) (sighs) Angels in America.
1: Ooh, that's a new one. A new one, a new answer.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think
1: it's, I think it's brilliant. Oh gosh, I'm I'm evaluating now. I'm thinking back towards the answers before the pandemic. The most common answer was Sweeney Todd, and I haven't heard that from from hardly anybody since the pandemic. And I wonder if that's because like people want more optimism. <laughs> I was gonna
0: say, what is the answer? What is the answer post pandemic?
1: It's all over the place. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah. It's really all over the place. But yeah. Interesting. Okay, so where can we find you online?
0: Or maybe Strange Loop.
1: Oh, ooh, 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 Yes, that's a new, a new, new one. I like that.
0: <laughs> that is amazing.
1: Yes. So, where can we find you online? What are your socials?
0: I'm at Cassie Baxter. Um, kind of across the board, and uh, Cassie Beck on Insta.
1: Great. I am online at theaterpodcast.com. You can find me on Instagram at Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hudlum Productions, music by Jukebox, The Ghost, and conversation by Cassie Beck. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you. My pleasure.
1: Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. 18 plus.